We hit the jackpots this time. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. I am one of your hosts, Cody Stoffer. And I'm your other co-host, Simon Villanos. And this week, we are going to continue doing our Colorado Playmakers Class of 2021 position-by-position position rankings. This week, we have we, we got the big boys on the front lines, the offensive line. So we're going to go through our top five, starting at five and ending at one, and throw in some honorable mentions. I do want to clarify that on this list, these are the people who played in the fall 2020 season and are graduating in spring 2021, and you'll understand what I'm talking about here later. But to start us off, we go to Holy Family High School with Cord, and forgive me if I mispronounce your name to anyone on this list, but Cord Kringlin, I think is how you say that. And he's six foot five, two hundred and seventy-five pounds. Simon, does Cord have any offers yet? I, yeah, he does yeah. actually. He uh, so he's a three-star commit uh, to Boise State. That's right. That's right. Oh, yep, I have that written right here in my notes. I don't know how I missed that. <laughs> no, but, you're um, all good. Yeah. You know, Simon, if you don't mind, uh, I'd like to start off with some things that Cord does really well here at the number five spot, and um. Okay. One of those that I think – I think the biggest strength for Cord is that he does whatever you tell him to do, if that makes sense. So Cord is a very assignment-oriented football player. So, you know, you could tell by his play style that, you know, on a play where he knows where to go, he takes care of business. So, you know, for instance, he's good at getting to the second level and, you know – Holy Family a lot of the time runs a, a down blocking scheme, I'd say. And so he's a very solid down blocker and he knows when to go second level. So understanding, you know, hey, if there's not a guy in the gap next to me, that's a that's free to go absolutely pancake some linebacker who weighs probably 100 less pounds than me. So that that's one strength that I saw from Cord. You know, he he knows how to down block and he, he knows when the green light um, opens up an opportunity for him to get a pancake on a linebacker that's a lot smaller than him. I'd also say that Cord is a very patient pass blocker. You know, I think it's very easy at the high school level for offensive linemen to lunge at defensive linemen during pass blocking, but Cord doesn't do that. You know, Cord, he has pretty happy feet, I'd say. So he keeps his feet chopping and, um, you know, gets his step back and is ready to go and um doesn't doesn't whiff on pass blocks at least in the film that i saw simon what were some strengths you saw from cord yeah so well let's let's start at um the frame here six five two seventy five that's very prototypical um and deserving uh of a you know of a d1 alignment like to be honest if you want to be d1 or fbs fcs that's about where you want him to be and so six five two seventy five very prototypical that's something that's very good to work with um also from the looks of it it kind of seems like he's had time to play with that frame as well so it's not like he's continuing to grow and having to readjust every time he puts on weight or gets taller or whatever because that could always be an awkward process for linemen um just because you know there's different angles there with leverages and whatnot and so uh yeah he has a very good prototypical 
prototypical D1 frame in my opinion. And for a lot of these linemen, that's almost really all you need plus a couple other things. So there you go. Uh, I agree. You know, he's a solid pass blocker. I liked for the most part kind of what I saw. It was, you know, it was solid. Like he could he could hold up against some against some, uh, you know, some of the stronger, more aggressive pass rushers uh, in the state. And so I, I like that. And then uh, with that, I think he has some pretty quick feet. Doesn't mean he's fast like him, the person, but like his feet is pretty quick in my opinion. And so there are some linemen who kind of drag their feet a little bit. They're not as, uh, you know, nimble, on, like, you know, or agile. And so Cord, I think he has that going for him. Um, it seems very natural, you know. And so, uh, just in general, a lot of good athleticism here. He's strong too, so I don't, I don't doubt that he could go head to head with some of the stronger, uh, not even line, just some of the stronger like players in the state here, or even some of the stronger players on the next level. I think he could, he has the potential to hold up pretty well, to be honest. And so, in my opinion, with a uh, Cord Kringlin here, there's a lot of potential for him. You know, the frame that's a very good. That's a very good indicator. And then, you know, I love the quick feet and then the exceptional uh, athleticism all around. That's always a good thing when it comes to linemen. So, yeah. Um, do you mind if I go into negatives, though? Or I guess areas of improvement? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So this is a thing that's going to come up a lot, I feel. But with Cord especially, um, look, he needs to watch his hand placement and consistently win leverage. There are times where... You know, he may not win leverage, but just because he's a bigger dude than the other person, he's still going to move the person. On the next level, when you're going up against a little bit more of a playing field, that's not going to work. He has to get his hands up in there, and he has to get disciplined because um, another thing with his hand placement, you know, sometimes it wanders just a little bit away from where it should be. And I'm not going to lie, there are... There are a handful of plays on his film that were most definitely holds. Um, look good, though, because he's a big dude and he could, like, knock somebody off the line uh, just straight up. But, you know, it, it, it was a hold. Let's be honest. Like, his his hands were just a little bit more outside than where I'd like it to be. So he needs to get disciplined, getting that inside uh, leverage and, you know, and driving. And so um, that was a the problem. Then in addition to uh, his hand placement, uh, I already mentioned the holds, but he does kind of hook players a lot, and so it's uh, it will it will be called for holding on that next level. You know, there's look, you gotta keep this in mind. There's a difference between high school refs and college refs. College refs, you know, they pretty much do that more for a career, I would say, and they're more serious about it. And so hooks like that, uh, where he's like blocking somebody and then they might have a step on him because he doesn't have the right leverage. And then he will try to hook him with his arms and that'll be called. Let's be honest, that'll be called. And so that's a really bad habit that I've seen a, a little bit too much for my liking. I'll be honest, a little bit too much for my liking. And so with that being said, I need to see him use his hands better and get the leverage. It, it really just comes down to that. Um, he has great, you know, he has a great athleticism and a good frame and whatnot, but the hands for me is, is a problem. Uh, on the next level, it, you know, like obviously he has an offer to Boise State, so just throwing that out there, he's solid enough as of right now. But the way he plays right now on the high school level, if he doesn't get more disciplined, 
that could end up becoming, you know, there's a potential for him to become a little bit of a penalty machine there. And so, you know, you got to get disciplined with that. Um, and I think just with that in general, and this is probably the last area of improvement I'll have here, but I'd like to see him have a little bit, you know, like faster hands, right? Um, it's a little bit too slow for me. There are times where he does get beat off the line. And so, um, you know, obviously quick feet helps, but if you don't got quick hands, you can't hand fight and you can't win leverage, then it almost doesn't matter because that just means, you know, you'll get blown off the ball pretty much. And so I need to see a little bit more speed add to that hand. So, you know, do um, I, I'd like to I like to see him work on that hand speed and uh, awareness uh, while he's at it there as well. There's, you know, you know, honestly, in general, you can never go wrong with working on your awareness and uh, just general Oh my god, what is it called? Not instincts. Reaction time. So, yeah. But what about you, Cody? What are some areas of improvement for Cord Kringlin here? Yeah, so for Cord, the first thing that I also put was watch that hand placement. Because there are definitely some times where he's holding. Because, I mean, you got to work on keeping those hands inside. Because college refs will call your hand slipping to the outside way more often than high school refs and you talked about that too and then also i wanted to follow up with just saying like the level of competition or like i'd say that his biggest highlights came against people who were really tiny compared to him like yeah i like some of these other guys they get pancakes against people who are also big cord a lot of his pancakes are against like i said linebackers that just like don't really stand a chance once he gets his hands on him you know because he's just really that much bigger like 100 pounds bigger it seems like than a lot and he's also from the um smallest uh conference size out of anyone on this list being in at a 3a guy so you know that that's it that is something to consider uh, as far as like competition of who who are these highlights coming against and then i also want to say that uh something a little different is i don't think that corda has super good side to side speed you know, we never see Cord pulling or being a lead blocker on a toss play at a school that runs a whole bunch or, you know, he doesn't pull, which is less. It happens less often at the tackle position, but almost everyone else on this list pulls and I just never see Cord pull. So he's definitely like a guy who I feel like if you're Boise, you're expecting him to basically be a wall more than you are expecting him to be a lead blocker, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I, I definitely agree there. And that's that's definitely concerning just because, well, okay, first off, if he's not pulling, it's because he's most likely maybe not the fastest guy and probably can't reach that edge anyways. And so there are probably questions there about his speed um, just in general. You know, there are some guys on this list that can move really well for alignment. Like they could fly, right? And even on the defensive line, like when we were talking about them last week, there are some guys on that line that could fly at their weight. Um, Cord looks like he's playing at 275 pounds. Let's be honest. Like he looks like he's 275 with the way he moves a little bit there. And so, uh, look, you can't always control your speed, but you can control your explosiveness, your sideline to sideline speed and agility like that. And so if you could do that, that'd be great. Um, and I'm not even going to lie, even with Cord here, maybe he might be better suited uh as a even a center or a guard type as long as he doesn't pull 
um, just because in my opinion, I do think left tackles will, they have to move like, you know, relatively well to keep up with edge rushers. And I did say he has quick feet, but that doesn't always, you know, that doesn't translate to speed or sideline to sideline ability, you know, um, and don't get it twisted. If you're a lineman, you still have to run. <laughs> if someone gets past you, you, you got, you know, a haul to go to get back and get that dude. So, um, you know, it's just stuff to keep in mind uh, with, you know, with his size and his frame, he does have the flexibility to move around the line. So that's a good thing, I think. Yeah. That is for sure, especially at the size. You know, I think center might be a good fit for him because centers are called upon less to move, um, if that makes sense. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, as far right. as uh, what what do you what do you say, uh, Court's outlook heading into Boise is, and is there anything beyond that? Um. Okay, so I, with Cord, there's some things that. I, I would like to see him work on technically mostly like I, there are some guys on this list that you know need to get bigger and stronger and more athletic uh, and that's fine but with cord I think priority like if he was to prioritize what to work on first I need to see him work on his technicality and pass block and run block and so with that being said that kind of holds him back because you know if you have someone who could who's technically good with pass block and run block you kind of don't mind starting them because, you know, they'll eventually fill into the role and, um, and there's not a whole ton of more coaching to do. With Cord, there's going to be some uh, bad habits that he'll have to break. And I think Boise State is a good spot for that. First things first, just Boise State in general, that's a solid program, you know. Um, all around, they, they, you know, every now and then they turn some really good uh, football players at every position, you know. Um, so with that being said... Uh, I I think I I think Cord may be an upperclassman kind of starter, so uh, I find it hard to see him walk into a starting role with Boise State right away, unless there's a bunch of injuries or whatever. Just because you know, for me, it's the holding. Like you can't. You can't have somebody that is committing all these penalties. Like I'm not gonna lie, there's sometimes that sacks are better better than penalties or blown up plays are better better than penalties. So I'm just gonna be honest. I think he's an upperclassman type of starter. If he goes to the NFL, who knows? Um, you know, I said this last week. Linemen are kind of hard to project because there's usually a bit of uh, growing that has to be done there, and that's why most stay almost a full four years. And so. If he does end up being a starter at Boise State, it just kind of depends on the competition he goes up against and how well he's broken some of those bad habits. And so I'm not quite sure I want to call him an NFL guy. I think frame-wise and low-key just a little bit athleticism-wise, he might be an NFL guy, might be, but I don't know. Um low key he i mean he could probably play next level football after college though like like cfl like i i could see a little bit of that or even xfl to be honest but there's a bit to work on um just you know skill wise here but what about you cody yeah i'm gonna have to wholeheartedly agree i think that cord has quite a ways to go as far as just like even fundamentally speaking and i think that that's you know Simon, you know my opinion on offensive linemen. They're 
I think it's definitely like a frustrating position group to recruit because a lot of them really are super raw. Um, because, you know, in high school, you get away with just being bigger a lot of the time. Um, so I, yeah. I think that he certainly has a ways to go as far as um, um, get, getting those things done and getting those things hashed out. But uh, I think that he could be a starter as an upperclassman, maybe a junior or a senior. I absolutely a red shirt without question. And um yeah, hope for the best. I I don't know if he's a he, he's a next level guy, but you know, we'll I'll wait to put my official like no stamp on that until we see how the college development system treats him. So yeah, same. And I you know, look, this is just like for me, this isn't um I don't know, like you know, we're going off of senior and junior film, right? So a lot could ch- change between now and college obviously especially for linemen and so uh we'll just have to see for me i'm not gonna lie i just have to throw this out there real quick there's definitely some recency bias because i watched the holy family versus durango game and i'm not gonna lie i wasn't super impressed um durango had a lot of pressure on them i know that's not just cord's fault because there's four other guys on the line but like and cody i don't know if you know this but they have another line like holy family they're kind of stacked in line so outside of Cord, you know, they have another lineman who's on the come up. I don't think he's a senior yet because if he was, then he'd probably be on this. He, ah, sorry. He'd probably be on this list. But his name is Jacob Berry. His nickname is The Mountain. And that's because this guy's 6'7", 320 pounds. Um, and so when Jacob Berry went, he went down with a knee injury early in this game. And that's kind of when things started going downhill. Like, they got a lot of pressure on him. And uh, I don't know. Like, in my opinion, I don't know if Durango is that big of, I mean, you know, compared to Holy Family, I don't know if they match up that well weight-wise against them. I know, I think I just read here that their average size for defensive linemen are 250 pounds. But, like, you know, Cord's 275. And Barry, he's 320. And then you got a bunch of other guys you know, who are really, are really good as well. And like, uh, they're probably on the come up, you know? So it, it was definitely, it definitely put a bad taste in my mouth with Cord Kringle in here. I, I wasn't super impressed with how he handled, um, you know, being, I guess the old lineman for Holy Family moving forward, which kind of makes me believe that maybe Jacob Berry low-key might be a little bit more valuable um, just based on how much pressure that Durango was getting on Holy Family. So, I don't know. Just things to think about. Uh, Court, hey, you know, if you're listening to this, it's, you know, no, I don't mean any offense to this because also you're like a huge dude. So, there you go. But, like, I don't mean any offense. These are just, you know, this is just how I see it, you know. So, there you go. Yeah. I I agree. Um, I, I didn't get to catch the game the way you caught it, but um, you know, th- there's there's a reason that uh, Durango goes on to win a state championship and Holy Family doesn't. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But uh, yeah, there's also Durango also has some pretty good linemen though to put some respect on their name. And no, for I sure. I think that there's going to be some Durango boys on our uh, on this list someday for sure. Um, True. Just based on their outlook, but 
That's true. Um, I mean, there's no that... disrespect to them, by the way. Just throwing that out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But uh, I think with that being said, we can move to our number four spot, Simon. Yeah, let's do it. So at number four on our O-line list, we got Wilson Clark, the guard center, right? Or yeah. the interior lineman, yeah. The interior lineman from Ralston Valley High School, 6'5", 280. Uh, he's a two-star commit. Currently just – he actually flipped from Idaho to our very alma mater here, Northern Colorado. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, there's a little bit of a big sky rivalry there. And uh, I, uh, in my opinion, I really like this kid. Um, I think I think low-key UNC might have gotten a steal. I'm going to be honest, but – um cody do you mind if i go into positives real quick or do you want to start with positives on uh, wilson clark here yeah that's fine go ahead cool um look so 65 280 that's you know that's that's pretty sizable um pretty sure he grew between his junior and senior year just a little bit and so love to see that that's great another thing he plays for ralston valley first off quick shout out to our former uh, co-host uh Jesse Budin, he played for Ralston Valley too. And so Ralston Valley, they're a 5A team, boy, right? Yeah, they're a 5A team. Yes. Yes. And so they get to play against <laughs> get to. They get to play against some of the tougher teams uh in Colorado, which includes Valor Christian as well. Um didn't beat him, but you know, there's still film from Valor Christian and um he definitely held up well enough for him to make an impact on uh and McCaffrey and Get him to UNC. Get him to flip to UNC, in fact. So so there you go. Um, so yeah, prototypical uh, prototypical size. In my opinion, for a interior lineman, he actually moves pretty well. Like I, I like the athleticism that I saw on the film. Um I'm pretty confident that he could probably low-key like pull and then you know get after a guy. So that's what I like to see a lot. Uh, in addition, in the run game, you know, I think he's he's a very big part of that Ralston Valley run game, which, you know, is kind of their identity right over there. And he, you know, he, he leads the pack, you know, he, he blows guys off the line and uh, he double teams when he needs to. And, you know, he just does everything you want out of, uh, I guess, out of run block centered interior lineman. And so uh, in my opinion, the fact that he's doing that on five, eight for me, there's no doubt that he could probably do that on the next level. Nonetheless, the big sky level, because Cody, I mean, you know, you and me have watched plenty of big sky football. In addition, we've watched plenty of uh, UNC football, unfortunately. And I think Wilson Clark, uh, <laughs> why did you clear your throat like that? I didn't do anything, bro. <laughs> Go Bears. Okay. <laughs> Give me my diploma. But well, anyways. With- well, me too, though. <laughs> but with that being said, I think he'll be a very good addition to that old line. Um, you know, with what Ed McAfee wants to be doing out there, I think Wilson Clark is the type of guy that you want out there. Um, and in addition, I do think that he's very versatile, like low key with the frame and then his athleticism. If UNC wanted to, which I'm not saying this is a, the greatest idea in the world, but if they wanted to, they could probably try him out at tackle, um, you know, and they they could have some years to develop him. I know they're losing our guy, Martin Ibarra. Make sure you check out that uh, interview if you haven't yet. And so so there you go. But um, in general, he has that versatility with that size and his athleticism. So 
So, yeah. Um, Cody, what are some positives of Wilson Clark here? Yeah, so Wilson Clark, UNC is a huge fan of recruiting these Ralston Valley boys. Um, you know, we just got done with year a million of uh, Jacob Nip at quarterback. Uh, um, <laughs> you didn't have to say that. And, um, okay. Uh, anyway, what I'll say it is, um, and, and there, there's a reason for that. Ralston Valley, they're a pretty successful, pretty consistently successful program here in the state of Colorado. True. And um, they run the ball. Uh, often and, and by often I mean they pass it like three times a game. At least that's what it was like back when I played our uh, former co-host Jesse Booten back in high school. But um, yeah, Wilson Clark. One thing that jumped off to me immediately off the film is versatility. You know, Simon he does have some tackle film uh, at times when he's asked to, especially in his um, junior year highlights. He he's able to True. play tackle. He can pull from the tackle and guard position. So I really like that. And uh, one of the biggest strengths that I noticed from Wilson Clark is he has a phenomenal first step. He never makes a false movement on any single play, which you literally can't afford to do that from the center position out of any position because, you know, you start the play and Wilson Clark finishes plays. Um, True. And Wilson Clark also does a great job of chipping or, uh, you know, pushing linemen into other linemen's passing or, you know, like blocking responsibilities and then going and getting a block of his own. So, you know, that's really nice to have at the center position, you know, especially you. Ralston Valley faces a lot of blitzes and pressure because of, you know, the wedge kind of offense that they run. And, um, you know, being able to block multiple people or, you know, utilize your arms. He has very strong punches to push people over into other people's blocking assignments. So Wilson Clark, you know, very smart player, I'd say, as far as um, re- or I'll say reactionary wise. He's he's really good at, you know, getting a quick punch and then moving on to the next block. So great reaction. And it all starts with his first step and, you know smart in the sense that he can play multiple positions. So I really like that out of Wilson Clark. I do think Simon, if you don't mind me moving into um, areas of improvement that uh, we need to work on here as he goes to become a UNC bear is uh, Wilson Clark. He doesn't identify the blitz um, like literally ever, which, you know, with as much as he faces the blitz, it's good that he can react to it, but I'd rather be able to snuff it out before it begins because sometimes he'll punch a guy off into another blocking assignment, but there was no communication. So now the garden tackler are blocking like four people and, you know, quick number says that that's not good. Um, you know, where, where is I'd like my center to be able to point out the blitz and then identify who's going to be blocking who, you know, like verbally or before the snap. Um, I also am going to ding Wilson Clark a little bit here because of Ralston Valley's offensive scheme with like the wedge, because, you know, when you're <laughs> like the middle of the field is so protected that, you know, he's not always called upon to make a play because of the support he gets from the entire line, just scooping in. Um, and I think, and as well as the Ralston Valley backfield, sometimes having two fullbacks that run before the ball carrier, you know, that definitely can mask some things um, as far as like mistakes go uh, schematically. So that that's another I have to ding him for the scheme. It's not his fault, 
but it is something to consider as he moves into the big sky where we don't run wishbone heavy jumbo backfield stuff at unc and i don't see ed mccaffrey implementing it anytime soon um it's just not really a college thing to do imo but and then i also think that um while wilson has a great first step when it comes to initiating contact i think that he his feet get stuck kind of like they're in mud whenever he's in like pass block or pass pro and i think that he could definitely use some footwork drills so wilson if you're listening to this i would focus on doing that this offseason probably more than anything is just being able to move your feet backwards but still retain your balance and your strength um you, there there's a plethora of drills you could do for that but yeah just i'd say really focus on doing some calf workouts probably and um you know lots of uh balance oriented uh drills simon what what are some areas of improvement you have for wilson clark true um, so first things first, I agree with what you had to say there. Um, I, I like the work on the foot. I like the suggestion of having them work on footwork stuff and uh, keeping that because that was definitely a little bit of a concern. Um, but for me, I think the thing I want to highlight the most here is just the lack of pass blocking plays on his film. And look here, real quick, I gotta give him uh, credit words due. The pass blocking uh, highlights, the few that we saw on his highlight reel at least, um, they look solid. I'm not going to lie. They look pretty solid, at least from the center position. Like, I liked what I saw. You know, I liked what I saw. He looks so very strong and agile. And, you know, he doesn't – like, he's not, like uh, – I don't want to say super unaware. But he's aware enough to, like, know if someone's coming at him. But with that being said, I also don't think Colorado defenses are exactly super complicated. Um in my opinion, <laughs> I think, uh, like, I don't know, like, I just don't think that they run a whole ton of stunts or that they throw a ton of, you know, exotic or different blitz packages. And so, um, and, you know, like you said, Cody, Ralston Valley, they are a run first team. And so that means that they don't really find themselves in a lot of situations where, you know, they got past the ball and, and, um, you know, and then they got to face uh, weird blitzes like that. You know, it's kind of just like, you know, impose our will through brute force on you and you could send whoever you want. And it's, there's a difference between, you know, those type of run plays and then uh, passing. Because, like, when you do get into pass, you know, um, you got to be aware, you know, and it can't just be you that's aware. Uh, you got to make sure everyone else is aware. And in my opinion, I really like Wilson Clark playing center or guard for us. And so with that being said, if he is playing center or guard, that's basically a guarantee that he will have two other linemen next to him. Um, and then if he's playing center, then he's pretty much responsible for, um, you know, calling out stuff on the online and calling out blitzes. And I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> like, look, I, I didn't play line in Colorado, so I'm not exactly sure how the majority of these linemen are coached up i know in texas like there are definitely more calls and it's a little bit more hands-on and like you know centers definitely make their blocking scheme calls while quarterbacks make their audible calls and it happens all the time you know but in colorado i don't exactly see a ton a ton of stuff like that at least from the lineman spot at least from the center spot i want to say and so personally 
I wouldn't feel comfortable starting him um, his freshman or even sophomore year at all at a center or guard spot or at a spot where he had to make a call like, you know, like where the pressure is coming from or um, or, you know, whatever. Right. Or shifts in the O-line. Like, I'm just not super comfortable with that. And I think Wilson Clark, I don't blame him for that because that's just a scheme and that's, you know, the kind of competition he's run up against. Like, they're not exactly sending, like, super crazy blitzes and whatnot. And so it's not like he has to hold everyone accountable outside of the guys in front of him, right? But I do think it would do him a lot of good to really, really study Big Sky defensive film and just look at the different things that he's going to see moving forward. Um, you know, and you could never, you could never like, how should I say this? Uh, well, I guess you can over prepare a little bit, but in my opinion, as an interior alignment, especially as a center, which is in my opinion, you know, the leader of the line, uh, you, there's never too much preparation that you could do for defenses. You know, it's better to know what a defense can do than to know the bare minimum, obviously. Right. And so for him, I'd like to see him work on that uh, because, look, there are going to be times where the defensive tackle right in front of Wilson, it's going to look like he's going to go right. But for all he knows, there could be a safety or a linebacker or whoever blitzing on his blind side and he just doesn't pick it up, you know, or he doesn't make the call to have a tackle or a line or whoever pick it up, you know, and so um there's just responsibilities that come when you play on the interior line, you know. Uh, it's not as much one-on-one stuff. You gotta, like, you're definitely considered more of a leader. And so for Wilson, I need to see a lot of that. Like I said, I like the pass blocking that I saw um, when it was there, but you know, you never know. Like, you never know if um, if that's how it always is, or well, obviously it's a highlight reel, so those are the best, you know, plays he has out there. Or if he's getting like beat off of uh, stunts or whatever, or if he can get beat off of stunts and stuff like that. And so for me, that's my biggest concern with Wilson Clark. Other than that, I'm a really big fan of him. I really like his play. Uh, yeah, I really like his play personally. I had him rated a little bit higher, but for me, the IQ thing's definitely a problem. And then. You know, obviously, how much does he weigh again? He's like 280. Look, if he if he wants to continue playing at the next level, at a high level, I think 300 is for all linemen, for all D1 linemen, which is, I'm pretty sure, everyone on this list, right? Yeah, yeah. it's everyone on this list. Uh, you all, They all got to be 300 pounds eventually for them to even start, in my opinion. And so, um, you know, obviously... He's playing FCS, so there's a little bit of leeway there. But I think if he really wants to excel, 300 pounds is where it's at, at least. So playing weight. So there you go. Cody, do you want to talk about Outlook here? Yeah, sure. So Wilson Clark, you know, it, if it, it sounds, you know, repetitive to say this every week, but redshirt guy. Uh, I think that most of the work for Wilson Clark comes in the film room, though. As you were talking about, he needs to study Big Sky and Big Sky defenses. And I think that um, a lot of it just comes from studying. And fortunately for Wilson, that's something that he can do right now um, in this quarantine era of training. You know, um, having to learn things is not necessarily the worst thing to do. And I think that 
just staying in constant contact with those UNC coaches, if you can, and with your offensive line coach or, you know, any offensive line specialist, it's, it's a good thing to, to look into. Um, you know, there's plenty of film breakdowns, you know, uh, of NFL linemen on what to do. And I, I would definitely look into doing stuff like that. I'd say, um, you know, you can watch some Rodney Hudson film. He's a, uh, Las Vegas Raiders center, and um, he's one of the best in the game. So you could start there and just see what he does to identify, you know, what's coming at them from the defensive side of the ball to prepare the offense to better succeed. Um, I think that he could be a starter. I would probably wait to start him his sophomore, junior year, but I do know that UNC is graduating quite a few linemen, whether that's this year or next year. So Wilson might have to be ready before that just honestly speaking. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, you already heard my outlook here. I think yeah. he needs to redshirt for sure, right? And then even take another year, you know, do that. Uh, you can never be too uh, <laughs> too safe. Um, but, you know, maybe, maybe even that year after his redshirt, he could get some snaps, but, like, maybe not as, like, the center or – anything like that like you know like maybe a guard or whatever in garbage time just to get that experience right and then if he does get that and this okay so we're going to get specific here so if he does get that experience at guard or at center um and he's not a full-time starter yet he needs to study that film too uh in my opinion he needs to like look at spots where like okay so i did this i blocked this guy but what opening did I leave open if they were to blitz another way or if they were to come another way, right? Or, you know, what What if it was a broken play? Then what am I doing here, right? Or what should be done here? And so I think for Wilson, I personally like a lot of the stuff I saw on film physically. And then I also think he wins leverages consistently as well. We didn't really mention that, but I think he does that really well, um, which we can't say about a lot of linemen just in general. But uh, I really do think if he works on just the intellectual standpoint of this game, he could be a really good lineman. And in my opinion, potentially an NFL type of guy. What about you, Cody? What do you think? Like NFL Wait. or pro? Like? Oh, okay. I was about yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So outlook, no, outlook um... when it comes to like the pro level, because I think I think we gotta talk about it with pretty much each of these guys. But uh, personally, I do feel good if he was to make it potentially as a center and his IQ was there. Yeah, I I definitely think that you know whether he learns or not at this next level is the biggest factor on if he goes pro because I think you know he arguably. Um, I think he can obtain the size pretty easily. Um, and I think that, you know, his versatility definitely helps him out. And I think that he does have good movement, but like, if he can't figure out how to read defenses or know what to expect and call out blitzes and help out his linemen, then I'd say that there's like no chance on, um, what he has alone because I do like him at center more than any other position I should say. Um, but the, the the IQ is it's huge. If he figures it out, he has a chance. If he doesn't, then no chance, I'll say. Yeah. That's how important it is. And I think I think that's also a testament on how far he has to go um study wise. True. True. And I also think he's walking to a good situation like but look, let's just be real here. 
if he was to go to Idaho instead of Northern Colorado, <laughs> it'd be a little bit of a different story here. But we know Ed McCaffrey, and we know like what he does with offenses that he has, he gets his hands on. So I don't know. I have more optimism that he's going to UNC than Idaho. Also, I'm biased, but who cares? What are you going to do? So yeah, but <laughs> um, I think that does it for um numbers five and four and coming up after the break we'll talk numbers three and two all right y'all hey what's good welcome back to the playmakers corner podcast this is episode 16 we're talking about the old linemen the big guys in the state of colorado and so at number three we got anthony tochini toshini tochini out of uh, regis jesuit high school uh, in aurora colorado um look if we're gonna say this a million times if we're saying your name wrong anthony we're sorry please come on to the podcast and have an interview with us um but he is a three-star um recruit to uh, new mexico state actually so there you go but uh cody do you mind if i start with the pause or do you want to go with uh areas of improvement first for anthony here we can go areas of improvement all right cool do you mind if i start out with areas of improvement here go for it Okay, so currently he's uh well okay he doesn't really have a designation on him he's just an O lineman so he plays interior um, exterior tackle whatever right um, but he is listed at six four two sixty five and I mean you know look I know New Mexico State isn't exactly FB or wait are they F- they're not FBS they're FCS right what New Mexico State, the college? FBS. The, okay. That's what I thought, but for some reason, I thought maybe they're on that on that bubble. So, okay. Well, New Mexico State, either way, they're D1, right? Um, maybe a little bit lower D1, but at that, 265 is a little light, whether he's playing guard or center. And so for me, that's a little concerning because in my opinion, it kind of shows – um on the film a little bit when he goes up against the defensive tackles and also he is a five he does play five a so these guys are definitely sizable at the least um he doesn't exactly blow them off the ball um which means at least how i see it his strength and explosiveness seems to be a little bit of an issue which you could probably come back to the whole 265 thing and so those are things that that I that I definitely have a concern about, right? With Wilson Clark, you know, I think weight-wise he was fine and he moved really well and he was blowing guys off the ball uh, consistently. With Anthony, I think he definitely struggles with that at times. And so, in my opinion, I'd really like him to put on a, a lot more weight. I think he could put on a lot more weight. Um, I already said this, 300 pounds, that's the goal for all these linemen, for them to even look on moving on to the next level. But I think from... Uh, this year, so his senior year, or I guess this second half of his senior year, going into um, his freshman year. Well, first things first, he'll most likely have to redshirt, so there you go. But for him to even start, I would kind of like to see him closer to 290 um, for him to start. Because to me, it just looks like there's a bit lacking their strength 
and um explosive wise and so you know just for the, his his uh what is it i guess what i'm saying with anthony here i just really like to see him hit the weight room and then especially work on that uh explosive training there right work on just uh shoot oh my gosh i'm like blinking out on the word for it uh it's it's like power but like in in short burst right and so I, I like to see him work on that a little bit better. Like it doesn't have to be an endurance thing at all. I just like to see him just get inherently stronger at the point of attack. And so explosive training, weight training in general, those are big pluses for me, um, especially I, I would say upper body wise uh, for me. So those are things that I definitely see as uh, areas of improvement for Anthony, or at least the biggest areas of improvement for Anthony here. But what about you, Cody? Yeah, so for Anthony, I I think that he definitely needs to get bigger. But as far as, you know, more uh, on the field kind of things, I think that Anthony plays tall, and that's not what you want to do as an offensive lineman. I think Anthony has a pretty bad habit of, especially I think his pass protection is the thing that needs the most work, but he does stand like straight up when he gets into pass protection. And Division I uh, lineman, and which by the way... um. Uh, the Aggies are the independent are in the independent conference, so that's probably why you thought that they might have been FCS. Okay, um, that makes sense. So, uh, you know, they they play against the Armies and the Notre Dames and whatever. Um, but uh, and I, they also face off against the Mountain West sometimes. So, um, but anyways, back to Anthony here. I think that what the way that he stands up when he gets into pass protection leads to my second weakness or area of improvement is is that he loses his footing in pass pro because when you stand straight up you lose your 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 center of balance moves up with you so you're way easy to to tip over and push back and so anthony has a very bad habit of standing straight up and then getting blown back because he stands straight up in pass protection um i think you know as annoying as it may be uh going to the shoots is like the best way to fix this and then just lowering them like an annoying amount uh where you have to play below a squat even because if you overcorrect it then when you play it should be corrected um is kind of my philosophy on that and then you know as far as uh looking at his tackle film i i would prefer to see anthony at center and i'll talk a little bit about um why here in a second but I think that his stance reveals the play pretty hardcore whenever he's at tackle. Um, he cheats um, his stance quite a bit, uh, depending on the play. And, um, you know, all it takes for a Division One player to beat that is watching the same film that we did and go, oh, if he's standing like this, this is where the play is going and this is how I'm going to beat it. So um, those are definitely some things to work on for Anthony. But, Simon, if you don't mind me progressing to positives i do have some positives here about anthony here that i like all right go ahead yeah so anthony anthony is really strong i mean all these linemen are but anthony does a really good job of moving the defender where he needs him to go um at, at the shoulder pad level if that makes sense uh you know he turns people super easily and he can turn them left and right and left again depending on where the play needs to go. Um, I also want to say that Anthony, one thing that I think Anthony does better than 
you know, a lot of these linemen is his awareness of the play direction without looking at the ball carrier is really good because at times all of these guys turn and they look at the ball and it just like, it just drives me nuts sometimes because that you, that doesn't matter to you, right? Like you blow up your guy and then it's the back's job to read off of where you just blew him up. But Anthony helps out his running backs quite a bit, whether that's in the screen game or whether that's in the run game, because Anthony has like, it looks like a sixth sense. Look, I thought it was coincidence until it happened like eight times where, you know, he's pushing a guy one way and then the back is about to run like that direction and he just pushes him the other way. Um, and it's and it's not like play call design. It's it's the back making a cutback and going to where the green is and then Anthony being able to react to it. Um, so his awareness of knowing where the ball carrier is without having to look at him is insane. And maybe that's just like a chemistry thing. But I think that, you know, it happens a bit too often for it to just be like uh, a scheme kind of thing, if that makes sense. So he has really good awareness and he can turn defenders super duper well, which is, you know, super important in the run game. And I think that he's an excellent run blocker because of that. I also want to talk about his mobility. Um, He pulls from the center position and he pulls really well, I might add. Um. It looks like a lot of the time it's it's on trap plays, which if you're not familiar, you know, the, the center is down blocking and then the guard pulls, but they can run a center trap, which is really impressive in and of itself because but when he pulls, he can either seal or kick out. And I think that just opens up so many options for an offense when your center can pull um, between the tackles. And um, I think he's mobile enough based off of the screens that I've seen to you know depending on the play design and the run design to pull even further than that so those are things that i found impressive about anthony simon what are some of the strengths you found of our number three offensive lineman in the state of colorado yeah so um well look i gotta talk about uh what you mentioned here about him turning guys because he does a really good job of that i know i look i said he's not very explosive um or i don't think he's super explosive or has a ton of power to him um, but that doesn't always have to do with him having the ability to turn somebody. Having the ability to turn somebody is just getting good leverage and then just being able to manhandle them because you have good leverage. And so Anthony, in my opinion, does a very good job consistently at winning leverage and getting his hands in the right perfect spot, um, especially on the interior. Like um, I like I like how well uh, his hands move uh from that standpoint right because he just he, he gets leverage a lot you know he's he he almost always wins and he's very technical ah, i can't talk he's very technical in that standpoint as well um very impressed from what i saw there in addition i do think he he moves pretty well for an lineman i think you mentioned this he moves pretty well i feel like it's it's it looks pretty smooth at times and he pulls pretty well there was one play against uh cherry creek high school actually where and this is from this year where our code number one guy malik uh, oh my god majiko Dunmi, i want to say the other defensive end that we had there opposite of arden walker um i believe it was a stunt of some sort between malik and then whoever the nose tackle was whether it was gus or somebody else but um it was a stunt and look malik kind of i'm not gonna lie he kind of beat him uh by a step 
but Anthony was able to pace really, really well for him and protect his quarterback. And um, low-key neutralized Malik a little bit there, which is a very rare thing to do. I don't think Malik did anything wrong. Um, it was just really good recovery speed by Anthony there to keep up with somebody as fast as Malik there. And so, um, to me, that spoke volumes to his athleticism, and I really liked being able to see that. So, for an interior lineman, uh, which is what I view him as, to be honest, he could definitely move. And then um, another thing, he's just a good effort blocker. Look, he's always looking to block onto that next level. You kind of brought that up, Cody. So there you go. And then he has long arms and he uses them well. He extends well. And uh, because, I, like I mentioned this already, but because he wins leverage, he really doesn't let anybody get on the inside of him and manhandle him um, per se, right? So... He's just very good at uh, hey, winning that inside game, getting that leverage, and then just dr turning the dude, driving the dude, doing whatever he wants, and not letting other guys do that to him either. And so those are all pluses uh, for uh, Anthony Tocini out here, out of Regis. But let's go ahead and go talk about Outlook here. Cody, do you want to start with Outlook, or should I? You That's can okay. go ahead and talk about Outlook. Well, Outlook on Anthony here. I think all these linemen, first off, are going to need a redshirt. I think, in my opinion, I don't think a lot of these linemen are actually facing crazy, like, schemes or whatever, right? I know I t talked about Anthony facing that st stunt, but that's probably as complicated as that'll get. That's not even the worst um, or what how bad it can be, to be honest. And so I didn't really mention this. But because, you know, I can't really blame him for this, but uh, he didn't really go against... Well, I don't know. Like, he didn't really have to handle more than one blitzer. At least it didn't seem like that a lot. And then when he did, it looked like he struggled a little bit. And so, with that being said, I think if he is to play interior line, just like I said with Wilson Clark, he has to do his homework. He needs to get better with that. He needs to know who he's blocking. And, um, and then he needs to know the scheme, like, the back of his hand, to be honest. Offensive scheme-wise, he needs to know that, like, the back of his hand, because... In my opinion, if he could take out two people by manhandling one, he's already good at getting leverage. So all you got to do is bump that guy to the next guy and seal that interior defensive lineman off, especially when you're in pass block. Uh, pass block especially, I would say. Run block's a little bit easier, but pass block especially if he could do that while keeping his stance and being aware enough to recognize when there are blitzers coming outside of just the guys in front of him, then I think he'll be in a good route a good spot but that takes a lot of work that takes a lot of work and so with that being said i think he's most likely an upperclassman starter just because i i'm, I'm still concerned about his explosiveness and strength not too sure how that will transfer to the next level um, or how well that will transfer to the next level and so i really do think that he's most likely an upperclassman kind of kind of starter just because 6'4 265 is is uh it's pretty light i think he low-key he actually might be the lightest lineman on this list, actually. Or one of, yeah, the lightest lineman on this list. So, uh, what about you, Cody? Yeah, so I'm going to have to echo that physically, Anthony is probably a junior year starter or player kind of guy. Um, I do think that the best thing that Anthony has going for him is instincts. So, I'd love to see him get time in. Um, he, he should use a. Uh, a red shirt but i think that you know putting anthony in as far as like uh, as a special teams like a pat blocker 
opportunity to get him snaps as a uh, you know a sophomore, and I think that that could go a long way to practicing. You know, I'd say that that's more similar to pass pro than like running run blocking, which I think he's already pretty solid at. And so um, I think that giving him some opportunities on special teams would be a good way to test his progress as a sophomore and to give him opportunities to develop his work in game. Because I think that, you know, you don't want him to not see the field for two years and maybe lose some of those instincts. Um, So that's kind of the way I see it is get him some special team snaps as a sophomore and then uh, try and convert him that that junior year into a starting role in the offense. Um, I He does need to put on quite some weight. Um, uh, I'm not even going to lie about that. I don't know if Anthony is an NFL guy. Uh, I, I have that doubt about most of the people on this list, if I'm being completely honest. But um, I, I do think that Anthony, you know, could succeed somewhere in the Canadian Football League where, you know, their alter rules don't lead to having to block for like as long in like passing game. And um, size doesn't necessarily kill you by not being the biggest guy in the field. So that's what I think. Yeah, look, he does have the frame to grow into it. He's 6'4", 265, so it's not like he's like a pipsqueak or anything like that. Um, It could be worse. He could be 250 or below 250 because there are some guys in the state that are there. But he has room to fill in. I just think, I don't know. Um, look, every every player is built a little bit different and whatnot. So with that being said, I'm really interested to see how that strength and explosiveness progresses um, just moving forward. And so I'm definitely a little bit more hesitant to put him down as a uh, NFL kind of guy just because I don't think he's more of a – like, I don't know, like – I, I I don't know if I'd want to play him at center exactly. Like, I think Wilson, in my opinion, uh, the guy we talked about earlier, he has a little bit better um, – like, he just looks more natural at center, like more of an NFL guy at center. Anthony, I think he's most likely a guard. He could play center, but I think he would probably excel more at guard. But with that being said, guards, they got to be – I mean, you know, this they just got to be some of the strongest dudes. So – yeah, there's doubts there, but you never know. I mean, New Mexico State, <laughs> every now and then they, they churn out an NFL guy, so uh, you never know. Maybe it's uh, Anthony that's up next, right? But with that being said, Cody, do you have anything else to add on to him, or do you want to go ahead and move on to our number two guy on this list? Nope, I'll go ahead and introduce our number two offensive lineman er, of the class of 2021 in the state of Colorado. And that is Justin Michael out of Pooter High School. That's how you say it, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Out of Pooter High School, six foot five, two 265 pounds as of his senior year. And um, as a junior, was a first-team all-conference guy in 5A and was an all-state honorable mention. And, um, you know, for Michael, I think it's fair to also start with some areas of improvement. Do it. And so... You know, I, I think uh, th- there's a couple things to fix for Michael that I think are easy to fix. Um, but but will take lots of reps. I say easy, assuming that Michael is here to put in the work, which I am assuming that all these guys being some of the top linemen in Colorado and having Division One offers are willing to put in the work. Um, 
I think that footwork while pulling is really important for Michael because while his intensity is really high, he looks kind of top heavy. Like he's like, it almost looks like he's falling to wherever he's heading when he, whenever he pulls, if that makes any sense. Like his feet aren't beneath him whenever he pulls. Um, and like it works here at the high school level, but like somebody's just going to push you over on the next level if you try and basically lunge at whoever you're running into um i will also say that uh justin michael he's susceptible to moves in the pass game and uh doesn't read the blitz as often as i like i did see like there there were some edge blitzes that michael faced where he just double teamed a guy inside rather than addressing an outside blitzer where where he is um like the running back wasn't there to pick it up because the running back also had a route. So, you know, those are some uh, mental concerns in the past game. And then I'd say a lot of these guys haven't faced a lot of moves, you know, from from pass rushers. And uh, when when Justin Michael did, he did not um, successfully counter it every time, I'd say. Or he got helped out by inside help whenever it didn't end up um, being a play that got blown up. And then those two things kind of lead me – well, ugh. okay. So on one of the missed blocks, and I will say that the biggest red flag for Justin Michael for me is uh, his lack of discipline. Maybe not in the sense of playing, but in the sense of like, you know, being a team sport. Uh, on one of his missed blocks, so this guy hits him with a double move and beats him inside. And so – you know, the ball is already released out of the quarterback's hand because it's it's a quick hitter. It's a quick, like, smoke screen. And so Justin Michael then takes it upon himself. I, I don't know what was going through his head. Maybe he was upset because he got beat or maybe he just wanted to show his coach that he got hands on him at some point. But he starts blocking this guy after, like, the guy's already in the quarterback's face. And he blocks this defensive end or this outside linebacker through his quarterback so he just completely bulldozes his starting quarterback by blocking this guy through him. And then after he finishes the block, which is something that I do like, finishes the block into the ground, he steps over him. And I see the ref reaching for the flag and the play cuts off. And it's like, he, there, there's a lot of times where, you know, it's good that he's getting these pancakes, but then he's stepping over these guys. And it's not worth whatever swagger or... I don't know. I don't know what message you're trying to convey, but if you're going to cost your team 10 to 15 yards at a time, um, that's that's a huge red flag for me. And uh, it's kind of like a me instead of we kind of action. And uh, he shows it quite a few times on the film. And and I hope that, um, you know, there, there's some sort of guidance present to him to try and level that out. And, and I did see one of the play that I'm particularly talking about happened his senior year. So it's not like it was a junior year thing that he managed to iron out his senior year. Um, but that was a huge red flag for me. Simon, what are some areas of improvement you see for Justin Michael out of Pooter? Yeah, so um, let me let me piggyback on that real quick. Um, look, personally... <laughs> Well, Cody, you know what kind of player, basketball player I was like that. Um, the stepping over, I'm not like it is what it is. In my opinion, he's 18 right now, and so I think he will grow out of it because 
you know, he's 18 right now. But in my opinion, I do think there are a bunch of pancakes in Justin Michaels' future, and he'll probably get over that, you know. Like, look, just to be a pro, and I think he can be a pro, you got to learn how to let things go, act like you've been there before, because he will be there before, or uh, again, is what I mean. He will be there again, and so, you know, that's that's just a maturity thing, but that's not exactly why I would count that as a weakness or as an area of improvement. I would count that as a weakness just in general, just because in my opinion, I think he could be a little bit overly aggressive, which is great. And I'll talk about how great that is, but there are most definitely times where he gets caught being overly aggressive and either holds the defender or get his hands in very risky spots that may cause a flag to be thrown on him. And Justin Michael, the type of blocker he is, I guess the type of lineman he is, he's a brawler. Like, there's no doubt about it. He's a brawler. And brawlers work. There's brawlers in the NFL. But you can't get you can't get in risky spots like that, you know. Consistently, you got to get your hands up in there. You got to get leverage, right? Because you won't always be able to out-physical somebody. Um, and so that's something I need to see out of him. I need to see some consistency there. And I need to see him, look, if he gets beat, like, look, don't <laughs> don't keep your hands there, right? Like, move him, reposition, and move your feet with the guy so that at least you're in the way while buying yourself some time to reposition and get that leverage because I think he's athletic enough to do that. And so, you know, take away the that opportunity for, penalty, uh, for penalties to be thrown on you, right? Just take away that opportunity for penalties to be thrown on you by uh, getting good leverage, and boom, there you go. Uh, another thing... On pass block, uh, this is another thing. He gets overly aggressive as well. Look, <laughs> you don't always have to look for the huge pancake on pass blocking. You know, while you're pass blocking, you'll get plenty of that as a run blocker. Just block the guy in front of you. Stay in front of him. Don't let him sack the quarterback because you could definitely see, and it's low-key a little bit of a tell, you could definitely see him um, be a little bit overly aggressive. And so... As a defensive type of guy, if I see that a lineman or that especially okay, if I see that a tackle especially is overly aggressive, I'm gonna tell my guy like, yay, hey, look, you know, he commits really hard to that first step. So just give him a little bit of a move and then swing him. Or give him a little bit of a move and then hit him with that swim move, and that's it. You know, because in my opinion, I think he commits like he's about to run block when he's pass blocking. Um just the way he is and so he he can't have that tell you know that's just him being a little bit overly aggressive so uh in my opinion trust your drop back and then just block the guy you don't gotta go for the pancake you don't gotta like destroy you know like utterly destroy him which i do respect i love the mentality but for the <laughs> for the team to succeed you can't be risking yourself like that um because like i said if I was a defensive coach, I'd just be like, hey, look, you know, he could do that. So you could either hit him with that move or straight up we'll hit him with a stunt, you know. So we'll have him thinking that one guy's going the other way just for a safety or a linebacker or another defensive tackle to come flying through the other side. And so I you can't be seeing him commit that hard on a pass block. You just can't. Um, so there you go. 
But in my opinion, those are the things he needs to work on, just staying disciplined, uh, especially in pass block, I would say, uh, because that's kind of where you do see times where he gets uh, in risky positions where he might get caught in a hold or just be caught getting overly aggressive. There are definitely a couple block the backs on his film when we look at it, and some of those are on pass plays. And so, look, just reposition, trust the footwork because he's fast enough. And he'll be fine. And so I think that discipline in that area is definitely a big thing just because um, he can get caught being a little overly uh, aggressive. So so there you go. But with that being said, let's talk about positives with uh, Justin Michael. Uh, do you mind if I go on real quick? Go for it. Okay. Yeah, so let, let me talk about uh, his aggressiveness first because I know we were both pretty critical of that. First things first, I like it a lot. I like the physicality, and I don't think there are a ton of linemen in the state that kind of has that physicality, right? Um, in my opinion, there are some guys in the state that may not – they're just not as physical or as vicious a football player as Justin Michael. And in my opinion, you love to see that because, like, he'll blow up defenses whenever he can, you know. We talked about him being overly aggressive in pass, but and run, I think he's excellent at just blowing up uh, defenses. And not just one player, but, like, multiple players. <laughs> and, like, he'll throw a guy into another. And he's just a very, like, vicious type of football player. And you got to love that. There's a reason why... There's a reason why college coaches love recruiting defensive linemen a little bit more than offensive linemen, and that's because they like that defensive linemen could get physical, vicious, aggressive, and those are a little bit easier to turn into O-linemen rather than having O-linemen who may not be even the best defensive lineman if it does come down to it. And so that's, you know, so there you go there. And so there's some versatility there. And Loki could probably be a good special teamer um, as well. In my opinion, he also sets the edge excellently and has very strong hands. Um, even when he's not getting leverage, he's manhandling somebody. <laughs> he's, he's, he's manhandling somebody. It's like the Hulk out there. And so... That's extremely impressive. And then uh, I, th- I already mentioned this, but, you know, he does a good job of taking on multiple defenders and then working his way up to the next level. Um, really love that. So so there you go. But what about you, Cody? What are some positives for Justin Michael here? So for Justin Michael, I, I love that uh, he has really good pad level, I'd say. Um, it, it's really consistent throughout all of his film he is he gets lower than almost anyone he goes against and i think that's why he blows people up is because he does consistently have better leverage better positioning and um you know that that leads to pancakes and so i'd say that you know for for some of the other guys in the state watch justin michael film and see some of the things that he does fundamentally different than than you and why he gets so many pancakes I would also like to say that he's so strong that he blocks people with a shove a lot of the time, um, which, which you know, for being uh, one of the smaller linemen on this list and, you know, including our honorable mentions, he, he's he's maybe the strongest or, or second strongest in the state. Um, and uh, it's it's not just uh, linebackers or or blitzing DBs that he pushes over with a shove. It's it's defensive linemen who he pushes over with one shove. And and I'd also like to say that Justin Michael is is super fast. Uh probably 
arguably the fastest lineman in this group, which you may ask, hey, why the heck does my lineman have to be fast from a sprinting standpoint? And then you see some of the things that Pooter is able to do as far as wide receiver screens and halfback screens where he can go get the cornerback and a safety, you know, and that's that's huge. And he'll blow up a cornerback on the way or a linebacker on the way. Um, so I really like that. And then, you know, his speed also is good for when he does have to pull. You know, he, he can work, you know, technically speaking, he can work on, on what he does when he does pull, but he gets to where he needs to go. And that's the most important thing. And then he executes when he gets there is, is what I will say is Justin Michael, he executes what you need him to execute and he's super strong while doing it. And he's low and fast. Um, I think that, you know, from a prototypical standpoint, Justin Michael is exactly what you want on your offensive line. And, um, you know, Justin Michael is the type of offensive lineman who can make one big block that can change momentum of a game. I would say, uh, and that is to have a lineman that's electrifying in in that stand in in that way. Um, it leads to wins. It leads to wins. So, yeah, very true. Um, that's why that's why he's one of the best in the state. But that being said, let's talk about his outlook here. So, uh, Justin Michael, I don't know if I said this already, but he. Or if we said this already, but he's committed to CSU, which very interesting. You'll get to play with uh, Luke McAllister over there with our uh, number one QB. And so with that being said, Cody, how do you feel about Justin Michael in the next couple of years at CSU and then at the pro level? I Potentially. Think, I think that CSU got a steal, um, if I'm going to be completely honest with uh, and, and I think that they're doing a very good job on on their freshman class as far as colorado talent goes you know we'll talk about more guys that are going to csu um but justin michael he's he's somebody who i feel confident playing at guard or tackle honestly i think that he'll hold up against mountain west competition no problem if i'm being completely honest with you i do think he should get bigger but i think justin michael plays way bigger than that makes sense from and, and that's just that's a huge statement to his fundamentals and techniques when running the ball i i do think that you know like everyone on this list uh uh red shirt year would be good for him you know as far as putting on some weight and getting used to school but you know i think he's ready for for this mountain west level of competition and um i think that you know adazio is capable of you know, putting together a solid coaching staff that will progress Justin Michael to, you know, I think he could be an NFL guy with with his tenacity and kind of some of the things that he has alone. And I think, you know, if you get Justin Michael up to, you know, by his senior year, 300, 310, that, you know, he could be a late round guy, maybe maybe a seventh round or undrafted kind of guy. But I think if he's able to retain his speed and and the technique that he does have while improving in some areas at 330 pounds we might be looking at a fifth round lineman here if if i'm being completely honest with you simon what do you what do you think of what i have to say and then what are your thoughts on your own level yeah no i like what you had to say about justin michael um just like any guy you know he's going after redshirt he's gonna need to take some time to refine some things but 
when he does get playing time in. That's a uh, that's something I can't quite put my finger on. I it's hard to project when he will get playing time, but I'm just gonna be honest. I wouldn't be surprised if he got playing time right after that red shirt year, just with the way he is. Um, look, Justin Michael, in my opinion, I think he's a competitor, right? Uh, he's a passionate guy about the game, and he, he just, I don't know, just the way he plays it, that's the vibe that I'm getting. And so with that being said, I think he might start sooner than later. And I do agree that he could potentially be an NFL guy if he gains weight. I think 330 is kind of it's it's kind of asking for a lot i'm not gonna lie right now he's like two he's listed at 265 i guess um might be even a little bit bigger than 265 but whatever uh and that's almost like a what is that 265 that's that's almost like a 40 50 pound uh weight jump and so i think that's a bit but i don't know let's say he gets a 65 i think 310 that for me that might be the number because he is exceptionally quick and so you got to keep that you know in mind if that quickness and speed and just overall athleticism translates to the next level which i think it will in the mountain west you know i think 310 might be all he really needs uh to make it to the nfl and i agree uh i think fifth round yeah fifth to sixth round type of guy assuming everything pans out he works on what we tell him um that's that's probably a safe bet uh but say csu does better say csu wins the mountain west uh like they're successful and i think that goes for i mean anybody who commits to csu but for linemen especially if your program's successful you know obviously you had to start somewhere and so you look at the line you look everywhere but usually you start with the line and so Say CSU does win the Mountain West, we could even see his draft stock, um, you know, soar uh, quite a bit from fifth round to maybe even the third or fourth round, potentially, if he does work on some of those discipline things and um, gets better in pass block. So um, that's that's kind of where I see it. Like I said, linemen are kind of hard to project, but I could see a third to fifth round type of kiddo if everything goes right and that that just depends on a lot of different situations there so so yeah do you think that's off what do you think about that third to fifth round guy uh i'd really like to see him put on um more size but i think if instead of gaining the amount of weight that i'm asking if he's able to get faster and improve his speed while also still weighing 300 i think 310 is what he has to weigh okay um, no matter what um at the like legit at the bare minimum he has to weigh 310 pounds to go pro and if he's able to shave down some seconds off of like a 40 if he puts on like a you know if he has a good 40 yard time then you know then I think that opens up opportunities for him to be a fifth round guy. Third round, um, I'd like to see some more size. Sure. So okay. And that, if he does know, everything that we, if he does everything we tell that we're talking about right now, um, then sure, you know, as well as succeeding at at the next level. So, and I also think that you know, depending on what, how much national attention csu gets in the next few years like if if mcallister lights it up on the next level i think that helps out anyone else who goes to csu so um oh yeah you know obviously no for sure okay 
I think, yeah, I, I said 310 just because, you know, you definitely see guys play college, right? And then, you know, in those months between the end of the college season and the combine, they, like, pack on, like, 15 to 20 more pounds. It's especially pretty normal with linemen, I feel. They're, you know, at least the good ones. They're really good at putting on, packing on the weight. And so, honestly, he could play at 310. And then at the end of his senior season, and this is projecting really far. I'm just going to be honest. It's projecting really, really far. So this might be a reach. But say he does play his senior season, um, finishes it, he's at 310, and then he puts on 20 more pounds for the combine. Bam, he's looking at 6'5", 330. You got the film there. And then he does, you know, solid enough for alignment at the combine. That's kind of where I see the third round uh um projection coming from you know that's kind of where i see that because most linemen put on way more weight than they're playing weight going to the combine anyways and so you know how the combine is and you know, the draft in general when it comes to linemen in later rounds they're like oh is this guy big is he like does the film look good well it's the fit does the film look good that always comes up first but especially when the combine hits it's always like oh how big is this dude and then you put that plus whatever film he had from whatever years together whether that weight is accurate or not, that usually results in, uh, you know, some draft stock skyrockets, um, which that's just that's just a pattern that happens. So I just feel, felt like I had to explain myself there. So there you go. But with that being said, do you have anything else to add on Justin Michael here? Nope. Cool. So uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about some of the honorable mentions i know some of y'all here are probably thinking oh there are some other linemen that i feel like should be in this top five well we'll talk about them here soon and then we'll talk about our number one guy coming up next what's good y'all welcome back to the the playmakers corner podcast we're going to continue our o-line list here but First things first, we got some honorable mentions, and I'm sure there there are some guys that you feel like deserve to be on this list ahead of our maybe three, four, or five guys here. But look, first things first, uh, I'm going to talk about Gus uh, Zalinskis from Cherry Creek High School. He's a 6'3", 263 uh, O-lineman committed to Rutgers. He's a three-star commit. And so here, here's the reason why we didn't have him on here, and we both decided on this. Uh, look, he just doesn't have like a ton of, or really, he doesn't really have lineman film. From what we've seen from his junior year, I haven't checked his senior year stuff yet, but from a lot of his uh, just junior year film, he's just not playing a lineman position. Um, Cody, did you see him playing a bunch of? Did you check out his senior film, senior year film yet? Or no? If not, um, that's okay. There, there wasn't too much posted. Not that I saw. Okay. Yeah, and we're you know we're talking on December 11, 2020. So just just know that <laughs> you know there might be some things that aren't released yet. But for us, we just didn't see a lot of film there. Uh, he looks like a really good blocker. He's lines he lines up at fullback a lot. He's lining up at a defensive nose tackle a lot. But just you know there just wasn't enough film there for us uh i'm sure he's probably a top five type of guy but you know it would have helped him a lot if he actually had um a good majority of snaps at guard or center or in the interior um so 
there you go. And he he's a good player. He's a multi-sport athlete, 3.5 GPA, um, good effort guy. Uh, run blocking-wise, he looks really solid. I just don't think – you know, I think the lack of film at the lineman position because from what it seems here, it seems like he most likely have to switch to O-line, and then that could be a whole messy thing. Um, that's definitely a problem. But, you know, definitely is an athletic type of guy, and uh, there might be something there for sure. So – he Loki almost could have made our defensive line or he well he wouldn't have made our defensive line list but he if we did a defensive tackle list he most likely would have gotten a spot there or at least in the honorable mention so so there you go but Cody why don't you talk about our other honorable mention here yeah so uh this one is going to come off kind of controversial and uh maybe spoil who our number one here is but if, if you're familiar with with recruiting Colorado and prospects in Colorado, you know the name Trey Zune. Um, and he's going to be an honorable mention for us. Now, before you guys uh, sharpen your pitchforks and, and get your torches ready, let me explain. So Trey Zune is the number two recruit in Colorado right now. But I felt that for, for this edition of Playmakers Corner, you know, this class of 2021, I wanted to talk about guys who played their senior year. I, I talked about this at the beginning of the show, and I said you'll get it later. Um, and so Trey, he doesn't show up on the roster for for his team, and um, I, I think he might have gone with uh, early registration for college, which, you know, kudos to him. And I don't know what else we need to say. Like, I understand he's a good player because, you know, he, he's committed to Texas A&M. So that is a Power 5 SEC school. You know, it, he's a good football player, but I didn't really feel like including him on this list because uh, of a couple reasons. Number one, and I think the most important one, is he didn't play uh, in the fall of 2020. So I think that would be unfair to to these other guys, specifically these five who did play this year in, in the limited action. And, um, you know, I... I don't think Trey needs the exposure, uh, maybe as much as some of these some of these other guys. Um, so that's my reasoning for it. And then also, I do want to say uh, that this relates to both Gus and um, and to Trey here. If you guys um, want to find exposure, you have to put together highlight reels of of the position you're looking at obviously if you're already committed then you're not as worried about it but as far as like offensive linemen there's no stat leaderboards for people to look at um a lot of it is film that that people have to watch and you know on top of not being able to go and see games live which is probably the best way for for me and i bet simon would agree um to observe linemen in the state um it's a bit more difficult, right? So, um, just just try and put together highlight reels. Um, and I'd also say that uh, one thing that I noticed that our number one guy did that I liked a lot is having film of pass protection specifically, um, because at that next level, passing becomes a lot more important. You can't just get away with running um, wing T and you know heavy offense it, at the next level, really. So. They, they call that the triple option on the next level. And um, it's it's a bit more complex, I'd say. So, you know, having a, a diverse range of film 
is super important, especially at the lineman position. Um, Simon, is there anything that you want to add on before we talk about the best lineman in Colorado? Yeah, uh, look, Trey's an excellent player in my opinion. Um, and this is just my opinion. This doesn't exactly represent the podcast. I think he most likely is the best lineman in the state. Um, I mean, because, like, look, I assume he could pass block. <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of film on the junior film, but I assume he could do all those stuff. Uh, but like you said, Cody, like, just especially in the COVID era, it's really hard to evaluate linemen if there's not, like, a ton of highlights. Like, we really do have to rely on highlights or then we're basically just uh, scrolling through, you know, recorded versions of games and, uh, you know, you never know the competition there and it's hard. Look, I'm, let's just be honest. The camera level. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't mean to put these uh, schools or whatever on blast, but the quality level of some of y'all's film really do be looking like it's shot in like, I, I don't know, but it's not 4K. 120 <laughs> FPS, bro. Yeah, it looks like it's from, like, YouTube from 2005. So I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes I can't even see y'all's number. And so, in my opinion, I'd really, 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 um, you know, prefer for y'all to put together a good film that highlights you, especially for alignment. Like, you know, quarterback, receiver, Okay, quarterback and running back film, we know where you are because you're getting the ball. Um, but lineman film, you got to highlight yourself. You got to do all that. And preferably, I prefer to go to games to uh, watch linemen. Um, and it was really sad that I couldn't do that this year. So that's all I really got to say about Trey. No disrespect towards him. He's an excellent player. He'll do his thing in uh, uh, over at AM, which is a shame. But you know they put together good offensive tackles and uh good linemen in general so cody why don't you go ahead and talk about our number one guy here so it following the the stipulations that we made and just trying to stick to similar rules um uh, i a lot of you may be familiar with how we left uh, julian hammond i think it was from cherry creek off of our quarterback list because he's playing basketball um you know so just trying to give opportunities to uh those who maybe don't already have it or maybe could do better. Um, but our number one offensive lineman in the state of Colorado is Braylon Nelson, uh, primarily an offensive tackle at Vista Peak High School. Six foot five, 310 pounds, and a Fresno commit. Simon, if you don't mind, I'd love to jump right into some of Braylon Nelson's strengths. Go ahead. So Braylon Nelson, oh my goodness, his hand placement is almost always inside. Um, we, Simon and I, multiple times throughout this podcast, you've heard us say, okay, their hands slip outside and there's definitely some holding or they commit blocks in the back. Braylon doesn't do that. Um, his hands are super tight and uh, I think it's a, it's a testament to his entire base really where he has a lot of control over his body because he has such a tight base, you know? His feet are the perfect width apart, but tight enough to drive people to the sidelines. He legitimately drove a defensive end into the sideline from, like, the middle of the field. So, you know, he obviously super strong, uh, finishes blocks, he drives guys, and part of that is once, once Braylon gets his hands on you, there's nowhere for you to go because he's stronger than you and he's more fundamentally sound. Um, I also think that Braylon is a very solid pass blocker. Um... 
he, he's very disciplined at taking his steps. He can read from in to out. And, you know, being able to read that is is arguably his biggest strength, in my opinion, is I think he has the highest football IQ and uh, some of the best communication skills out of anyone on this list. Braylon, he does a great job at pointing out blitzes and letting his guards know, his tight ends know, and arguably even his quarterback sometimes. I feel like he might recognize the defense faster than the quarterback. And that is... <laughs> like Simon said, well, you have to... It's a bit of a push and pull because it is the high school level. But the fact that he's looking, actively looking for what the defense is doing and actively doing something about it, I think is a huge testament to the type of player he will become at Fresno. And uh, I think it... It, it definitely brightens his future a whole lot for me. And uh, he's able to move pretty well at 310 pounds, being the heaviest lineman, um, at least as far as top linemen go, even heavier than Trey Zune, who weighs um, 300 pounds flat, last I looked, um, in Colorado. So Braylon, super disciplined with hand placement, uh, great balance and and form as far as, you know, when he, when he does block, he keeps a, a tight base and... He plays disciplined and his football IQ slash communication skills are so, so important. And uh, this is a shout out to all linemen, really. If you can't communicate, you're going to struggle trying to head through the ranks as an offensive lineman. Uh, You have to be able to communicate with your other linemen as well as your tight ends who, you know, may not be, you know, block first tight ends, especially in this more pass happy era of football. And, um, you know, be... That same communication also lets your playmakers in the backfield, your running backs and your quarterbacks know and, and helps them succeed. So that that's why Braylon Nelson is the number one lineman, in my opinion, is because of his IQ and his communication skills. Simon, what are some strengths you saw from Braylon Nelson? I hope I didn't take all of them. Nah, you didn't. <laughs> uh, I mean, I won't have as many. I don't want to repeat too many of yours. But yeah, um, look, 6'5", 310, that's prototypical D1 size, even NFL size. I like it. I could live with that um, for, honestly, the rest of college. So <laughs> that's that's really good. That's really good in my opinion. So there you go. Um, you already mentioned it. <clears throat> Excuse me. You already mentioned it. He does a good he does a good job of getting leverage, and uh, in my opinion, when he does get that leverage, he has extremely strong hands as well, and so he can manhandle players who don't react quick enough. And so I uh, really like that out of Braylon Nelson. There's a lot of power there, in my opinion. And then just another thing to throw in there, uh, I really like his pass blocking. You kind of talked about it a little bit uh, there, but. He did show a lot of pass blocking film, and what I saw, I really liked. I thought the technique was pretty solid, and you know, he, he showed some solid enough agility on those pass blocks as well. He could keep up with some edge rushers, at least in this state, he could keep up with some edge rushers, which is, um, it's always a good thing to see. So, really like that. But uh, yeah, those are, and then obviously everything you said as well. Those are all pluses as well. So, yeah. But uh, Cody, do you mind if I hop into? Errors of improvement for Braylon Nelson here, though? Uh, I suppose that's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, look, we talk about his strong hands, talked about him getting leverage. Uh, but in my opinion, there may be something lacking there run blocking strength-wise. He doesn't always blow people off the snap. Um, and look, 
when you get leverage and you're able to manhandle guys, uh, it definitely does look like you're super strong. But, you know, it's it's the little things that you could pick out. And I've seen my share. Uh, look, Cody, you know, he's talked about his experiences here. Uh, I know we do have a whole ton of new viewers. And so just for the viewers or I guess viewers, I guess I guess for the listeners out there, that's what I meant for the listeners out there. I grew up in Texas, so I got to see plenty of linemen play, including a good buddy of my well okay at least okay i wouldn't say a good buddy uh, at least for this first one but i got to see two nfl caliber linemen play one of them being joseph noteboom he's a left tackle plays for the la rams went to tcu he did his thing and then i also got to see justin blaylock he was on the last texas uh, national championship team at least i believe so if not he played for ut and then he was a 10-year starter for the atlanta falcons and so um i've got to see both of those guys work up up close and i've met both of those guys and so i know what a good lineman's supposed to look like i know what good run block strength looks like and i think braylon lacks a little bit of that in my opinion and um just explosiveness in general so uh i'd really like to see him Look, just get more explosive, you know, uh, that little movement from when you get up and then you just punch out. I need to see some more power there, in my opinion. And so uh, work, you know, upper body strength for sure. But I think if you really want to work on that run block strength, uh, in my opinion, you know, if you could get leverage, that's good. But uh, lower body strength, you work on that. You know, you get strong legs and then you could basically drive people anywhere if you get that leverage. And so build upon those strengths, you know, get a good, get a stronger lower body. And I'd like to see that in general or just get stronger in general. But I'd like to see lower body for sure. So, yeah, uh, footwork. Yeah, you know, I think for all these guys, footwork could definitely be improved on. Like it could be cleaned up. Uh, pass block, especially. I know I said he does have a solid technique. Uh, I think he does, you know, uh, upper body and up, right? But lower body, it could definitely get a little, uh, you know, not not as great as as you'd like to see it. There are definitely times his feet comes way too close together when setting the edge, and that's a problem because you've ever cody if you've ever seen those highlights of khalil mack just throwing a lineman with one arm that's mostly almost always because that lineman um their their feet are way too close together or their balance is just not it's just not there because their footwork isn't placed correctly and so in my opinion he does have a little bit of a tendency to bring his feet a little bit close together when setting that edge and so i like to see some refinement there um so yeah but cody what about you what are some areas of improvement for braylon nelson here for braylon nelson uh i will say that he's a bit slow out of his stance um and i think that has to do with the stance himself uh with the stance itself because he also cheats on the stance um i briefly talked about this earlier but Braylon's stance is pretty up and down. So instead of firing out of a stance, he stands up. Um, yeah. And you can obviously see why that could be a problem at the Division One level. And uh, I think that's part of the reason why, you know, in pass pro, his feet can end up so close together like you talked about is because, you know, he, he doesn't fire out. So I think he needs to develop more of a lean in his stance whether he can push off to get back into pass pro or push forward to get into run blocking um i think that the the speed of the game is going to be pretty surprising from 4a colorado high school to see 
Fresno? Are they in the Pac-12? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, they're no. What's the they're Mountain West. Mountain West. I knew yeah. it was. Um, I knew it, it was the same conference as uh, as one of the Colorado schools. Um, yeah, but, close uh, enough. Kinda. But, well, well, Fresno. They 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 have some good football players, but you yeah, know, that's definitely. He needs to fix that stance, otherwise he's going to be surprised at some of the edges that he's going to be facing, um, in, in at the next level. Um, I do think that he has played some decent competition, so luckily that's not a weakness for him, um, because he was in kind of a weird league this year, um, because of COVID. But you know, he he got some chances to face off against some pretty decent linemen, but. Yeah, he, he cheats on his stance in the pass game because it's not a good stance and it's slow. And, oh man, I really hope he fixes that because I think he could be really good. Yeah. Um, and then I also say that Braylon Nelson, I talked about this a little bit earlier um, as far as things that I hate to see, and he does do it. He watches the ball carrier, and it drives me nuts. There's some plays yeah. where it's just like he basically has a free just – I won't say uh, – I won't say like blindside because that's illegal now, but um, <laughs> yeah, he has a free chance to yell someone's name and then light them up after they make eye contact with him because that's how you get around that rule. Um, it's not getting around a rule; it's a legal way to play. I should rephrase that. But um, I support clean play in in the game of football. Um, Dang. you know, he, he he has opportunities to really make a highlight out of a block, but he's too busy watching the quarterback drop back, like. He'll he'll throw whatever defensive end he's on to the ground in pass pro and then just watch the pass play. No, bro, go pick someone else up. Like help out somebody who's struggling because, you know, the rest of the line wasn't insanely good. Um, you know, th yeah. there's definitely penetration in other places, so go help out with that or or think of things that you can do depending on the opponent to like just don't watch the play happen. That's not your job as a lineman. Go Go block somebody. Holy cow. So True. That that drives me that is like one of my biggest pet peeves. Um, and you can ask some players that I've coached whenever we've gotten a chance to watch film, it's like, dude, quit watching the freaking play because you're missing another block that could have made the play a touchdown potentially. So don't do that anymore, Braylon, for the love of at football for the love of the game <laughs> been watching the play happen that's not your job you can watch the touchdown later all right or you can celebrate on the sideline but that's that's not what you're supposed to do in the moment so those are True. the things that i would say braylon needs to improve on simon what do you say mr nelson's outlook at fresno looks like um so from what i could see i think you could start relatively early like I said, I'd still like that redshirt year just so that he could study defensive schemes. And then uh, in addition, I, I really didn't say this, but I kind of felt like it was assumed, but I should say it anyways. Um, lo look at the guy who whose position you want to replace, right? Um, watch how they play. Watch how they struggle or succeed and work off of that. And so um, that, that just goes for everyone, you know. So I think he would take another year, but I wouldn't mind putting him in as a sophomore i think he's look just the way he plays he's very disciplined i felt like at times and um he does a very solid job in pass blocking and so i personally feel comfortable enough throwing him in a game at least against mountain west competition throwing him in a game and then just you know letting him learn right 
And so I could live with that for sure. And so I could probably see him start sooner than later. The fact that he's more filmed, uh, the fact that he's more filled out into his frame more than some of these other guys uh, really helps him out a lot. And so that's good. I just, like I said, I just think, you know, getting stronger, doing all that stuff. Those are definitely thing, definitely things that he should do so that he could succeed uh, not only on that next level, but the level after that, which I'm going to talk about right now. And I think he can be an NFL guy. Um, I think he can be an NFL guy. Uh, not gonna lie, in my opinion, there are times where I do kind of question his physicality. You know, like how vicious of a foot of a football player he could definitely be. I'm not gonna lie, they're there, but you know, if he's technically sound in other places, if he's disciplined enough to be an, a good enough pass blocker, then you know, I don't mind it. But you know, that's definitely a little bit of a concern when going to the NFL because when you do go to the NFL, there's not going to be a – how should I say this? Most of the time, there's not going to be a huge weight or height difference that you might see in in college or in high school for sure, right? Uh, a lot of the guys, you know, they're kind of around the same uh, weight range at least, height it's you know it depends but height's pretty much the same as well and so um he has to do things to stand out right and we'll just have to see i think if he could be a very efficient pass blocker and go up get go up against some good pass rushers that would help his stock uh but as of right now i kind of view him maybe as a sixth or seventh round type of guy just because it's fresno state and maybe you won't see those elite type of pass rushers and just the way he plays like it's not exactly gonna pop off the screen if you know what i mean um you know just being a pass blocker does that make sense cody yeah okay okay cool so there you go but cody what what do you think about uh, this kiddo though about the outlook yeah so braylon nelson i really think that um I think he could play his first year, if I'm being completely honest, um, just from a size and uh, general technique um, perspective. However, I think that for the long-term goal, taking a redshirt year here is is critical to becoming uh, an NFL draft pick um, because I think that just gives him more time to work on. Like, I seriously think that working on his stance and footwork um, will go a long way. Um I think that if he can fix his stance, he moves up like a whole round in the draft, Um, which sounds really intense, but I think it's true because there's so many other parts of the game that are tied to your stance as a lineman. It's actually absurd. And then, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, if if he's at a tackle position, if, if he's able to work out of a two point stance, maybe that's what he needs to do to be a bit faster. If he can run block out of a two point stance, because it's, it's easier to to backpedal out of a two point stance, obviously, in like the pass game. Um, but if he can if he can run block out of a two point stance, I I could see him maybe being. Uh, I think he could be a fifth round guy or potentially even a late fourth round guy, if I'm being completely honest with you. And um, depending on how much more size he has to fill out. Um, that could be scary too. Like the fact that he's 310 pounds as a senior, as an 18 year old, um, 
it kind of makes me think that he could be 330, maybe even 340 pounds by the time he hits his senior year. Um, in which case, I definitely think he's a fourth round guy. Uh, okay. So long as he's able to fix his stance or figure out what stance works for him is a better way of of saying it. Um, I'd say. Sure. All right. Fair enough. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't put it past him for him to be a fourth or fifth round guy either. I think for me, it's just the run blocking thing. Like it doesn't exactly pop. <laughs> like you, you see Justin Michael and it pops, but like um, it doesn't exactly pop. And I'm saying that just because he's not a power five guy. Right. He didn't commit to a power five school. And so because of that, when you do go to a smaller school or to a smaller program, um, at least smaller than a power five program, you got to do a little bit more. And so um, to get noticed. Right. And so that's that's kind of where I'm coming from there. But but yeah, no, I agree. Okay, cool. Well, do you have anything else to add on uh, Justin Michael here? Uh, I don't. Did you just call what? Or wait, sorry. Do you have anything else to add on to Braylon Nelson here? <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think that everything that I said um, for Braylon Nelson is is a thousand percent accurate, though. And I think that you know Braylon Nelson is a really good pass blocker, and I think that um, you know that could take his best route is is by being probably the best pass blocker that he could be. Is probably the best route he could take to the NFL. Um, and I think that he'll have opportunities to showcase how good of a pass blocker he is at Fresno. Um, but yeah, sure. Uh, high end fourth round guy. And I'm not saying like early fourth. I'm probably saying like late fourth round guy, mid fourth round guy at the absolute best, depending on what class, what the class looks like around him. That obviously plays a huge factor. You never know who's going to become amazing overnight, you know, and by sure. overnight, I mean, you know, after putting in a lot of work, but um yeah i definitely think he's an nfl guy he has great size and um you know i I wish him nothing but the best he also had the easiest film to navigate for the love of the game once again y'all look at braylon nelson's film just on how to build your huddle for people to watch your film he has his contact info his gpa and uh you know justin michael also did a good job of that too but also having the um pass film separate was pretty clutch so that does yeah. it for our top five offensive linemen, including our honorable mentions. So just go over it again. Um, honorable mentions, Trey Zoon, because he didn't play in the fall. Remember, that's that's the whole reason. Um, Gus Zelinskis, because, you know, we didn't have any available offensive line film. His latest film reel that was uploaded was nine months ago, and that was primarily defensive line film with maybe like, I want to say like 10 plays of fullback play. Uh, to which yeah. he was impressive, and I think he'll he'll tear it up on the next level, just as uh, physical as he is. But number five, we have Cord Kringlin. Number four, Wilson Clark. Number three, Anthony Tocchini. Number two, Justin Michael. And number one, Braylon Nelson. That wraps it up for this edition of Colorado Playmakers Class of 2021 Offensive Lineman Edition for the sport of football. And coming up next, we're going to discuss how championship weekend went uh last week and how that has impacted or not impacted recruiting coming up next we're back discussing championship weekend in colorado football from this past weekend so if you don't know uh well we're gonna cover 3a 4a and 5a because they involve a lot of players that we've talked about up to this point on the show they're gonna have a lot of players that we talked about up to this point on the show and we're gonna start in 3a with durango 
versus Roosevelt. Um, I actually got a chance to coach against Roosevelt in the preseason in a seven-on-seven scrimmage. And so I'm a bit familiar with them. They are at, based out of Johnstown, Colorado, and Durango is based off of out of Durango, to which the Durango Demons beat the Roosevelt Rough Riders. That's really their name. Uh, 21 to 14. <laughs> their, their shirts just said uh, Rough uh, Rough Riders on them, but um, okay. or Roosevelt on them. But yeah, so Jordan Wolverton, who we talked about, the number three quarterback according to us in the state of Colorado. Uh, led Durango to a win here, and it looks like he had a pretty sound game uh, through the air with two TDs and one pick versus, you know, uh, I actually was, I looked at some Brake Hartson film um, for Same. our back uh, breakdown, and, um, you know, I think that this is a, not, it, it's, you know, it's a difference on what number three versus potential honorable mention slash looked at looks like, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, um, Simon, on. I think you actually had a. Um, what, what what did you think about this game, and what does this say? I think it does uh, wonders for Jordan Wolverton. I think that he absolutely has to get an offer at this point. Well, he's going to get an offer. Um, the question is, will we get an offer from a D one? Because I don't think he has. And uh, you know. I, okay, well, I'm not going to probably say anything as of right now, but at the time uh, that this podcast will be released, we're hopefully looking to get Jordan onto the podcast, actually, and uh, talk to him a little bit about this game as well. Um, and, you know, maybe even offers as well. But, yeah, it's uh, there's no doubt that he's going to get a better offer with this win. Look, just to put it into perspective, this is the first outright state football title for Durango High School ever. Technically, they had a state title title back in the 50s, but that wasn't really a title. Just back then, I don't know why Colorado was like this, but back then they didn't have overtime rules for football, um, even in the championship games. So if you tied, you were co-champions. So in my opinion, that doesn't really even count. And so I think this 2020 state title will be considered the first real state football title for Durango High School. And then in addition, just to throw that out there, the last time Durango has even been to this to this uh, state championship game was back in 1988. And so uh, Jordan Wolverton and Durango, they're already making history. And so I was super happy to be able to find Jordan Wolverton. I knew it was in him. He's just that kind of player that makes plays when you need him. And look, it came down to this. It was tied 14-14 third and long Durango was on its own 33 yard line and what happened was that uh Jordan Wolverton he saw the defense he called an audible and then he basically threw a dart down the seam to his receiver Gage uh Mestas or Mestas I don't know um don't mean any disrespect there but he threw a dart to him and then he ran basically 67 yards to the house to deliver Durango their first state title ever which is crazy uh that it was hype i'm not gonna lie it was a perfect ball and you know jordan he read it perfectly you know in an interview he did say look um i saw there a man so i checked it to a vertical play and then i trusted him to make the play which is what you need out of a guy and so you know jordan he just made a really good throw gage he did the rest of it and that was history and they won 21 to 14 also just to throw this out there as well Jordan actually intercepted a pass from uh, Brig Hartz. Wait, is it Brig Hartson, right? Yes. Yeah, from uh, from Brig. 
on their very first drive. So yet another pick for Jordan. And so I feel like that just kind of shows how how well he understands offenses but on both sides of the ball there. And so this was big time for Jordan Wolverton. This was the kind of game that he needed to really put his name out there and to put himself in that conversation for best quarterback in the state. Uh, and there is a con- – like, I'm not going to lie. Like, at this point, just based on how <sighs> championship weekend went and all that, I'm kind of leaning a little bit more towards, you know, a- at least for Jordan, a tie for second best in the state. Uh, maybe even first best, but you know, it was three A, so there's that as well. But yeah, so Jordan he he made plays when he needed to, and I was very impressed by him. Not just this game, but like throughout the whole playoff. This Durango team is very talented. We already said this at the beginning, but they're very talented. It's it's a shame that Jordan's a senior <laughs> because everyone else basically is not a senior. At least I don't think so. And so, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, they beat a tough Roosevelt team. I know on our TikTok, someone asked about our thoughts about the Roosevelt versus Durango game before it happened. And I was the one who replied to that comment. And I said, look, Roosevelt, they've always been a tough team. That's who they are. You know, they're they're a they're a program that's always going to be tough and they're going (laughs) to they're going to they're going to make you work for sure. And I think just to throw this out there. Look, the Rough Riders, Roosevelt, they actually drove into Durango territory four times in the second half and came empty with no points at all, all four times. And so that's a testament to that Durango defense, which Jordan Wolverton is obviously a part of as well. And, uh, you know, they did what they had to do. And so this is a great all around game, in my opinion. And um, it's a classic for sure. And it definitely cements a legacy for Jordan Wolverton at Durango in the state moving forward. You know, when people look when they look back at Durango High School's first state title, first championship game, you know, Jordan Wolverton's name will be tied to that uh, forever, which is big time. So, so yeah, but Cody, uh, I know I kind of went and just explained that whole narrative. But what do you think about this game? Yeah, I think that um, it, it, it works wonders for Jordan. And I think it you know that Durango has created a winning culture the past few years. Yes. And so, you know, I, I don't know who they have next in line at quarterback, but I do know that they have some dudes still. And uh, I definitely think that they have some people in position groups that we're going to be talking about in the next few years. They have some really solid offensive linemen that, uh, that I've caught, you know, I've caught on Twitter when I've been browsing and, you know, I think that they're going to miss Jordan, but I think that they're ready to keep winning personally on a program level. And, uh, you know, I love what the uh, staff has been able to do there and to, you know, give Jordan a chance to win a championship on the way out and for Jordan to give, you know, Durango a, a state title before he went out. So, um, you know, I think I think Durango is kind of uh, here to stay for a couple of years and at least be, you know, competitive at the 3A level. Um, and, and I'm all here for it. And I think that Jordan has a lot to do with that. So, yeah. No, for sure. I also said in that comment that Jordan would have to match the physicality of Roosevelt. And I feel like uh, he did a good job of leading his boys. And obviously his boys, they played their part. But him being the quarterback and the senior on the team, he's the expected leader. And so, in my opinion, I felt like he did a very good job just leading his boys and matching that physicality that Roosevelt always brings, to be honest. Like, they're always going to try to beat you up. And so, um, really like that. And so, I see... 
just a lot of good things from this game. I'm really happy for Jordan, man. Like he's really shown this podcast a lot of love. We got to give more credits due first, you know, uh, to him for helping us out there. He's been a big part of why this podcast has been uh, blowing up a little bit in the last couple weeks. And so, you know, quick shout out to everyone else as well who has been helping us out with that. But uh, that being said, Cody, do you have anything else to add on to the 3A title game? No, I don't think I do. All right. Well, let's get to the 4A title game because I think this is the one that uh, we got to, you know, we, we got to talk about. Right. Uh, Cody, were you able to see some of this game? Uh, I, I wasn't able to catch any of this game, but I have faced Loveland and um, OK, I, I will. I, I'll, I'll talk about that for a second. Um, Do it. Just just in defensive. You know, I, I'd say that. Uh, a lot of people have been pretty unfair to Luke McAllister based off of this, how this game has gone. First off, Palmer Ridge moved up to 4A this year. Um, Loveland True. has been in 4A, and they've been dominant in 4A for a very long time. Uh, they were a lot of people's favorites to win 4A before the season even started, and they ended up doing exactly that. Um, they, they toppled some really good teams along the way, and, um, you know, I actually – got to coach in their conference this year for, uh, you know, due to COVID, you know, the conferences were rearranged quite a bit and um, it was a really good conference and they won that, you know, there are some very strong teams in there, such as a skyline, you know, is a very good team. Uh, Longmont is a competitive team. They score lots of touchdowns, but Loveland came out of that conference and, you know, that they won it. All right. And it's because they're good. They their senior quarterback was no slouch himself. He's he's really dangerous with the ball in his hands, whether he's throwing or running. You know, their defense poses a lot of different threats in the ways that they line up. And they they had some solid guys, I'd say, on on all levels of the ball. Um and they don't make a lot of mistakes. So sure. it, in in a game where you're playing against a team that's going to play perfect. In, in a pursuit of playing perfect, you're probably going to make some mistakes. And I'll, I'll put that on experience because Loveland has been here multiple times before. The staff has been here multiple times before in the 4A setting, of course. Um, and I think that's kind of like one of the biggest differences to acknowledge. Loveland is not a pushover of a team. They were the best team that I faced all year. Um, and they're frustrating to coach against because they really just don't make mistakes. True. So just just to give you know uh, Luke some credit, L- Loveland is the best team he faces in his entire high school career, and I have zero doubts about that. So yeah, no, for sure. Um, look, Loveland's a good team. There's no doubt about it. Um, and look, we could talk about Palmer Ridge just a little bit here too before we dive a little bit deeper into that. Um, but you know, for Palmer Ridge uh to win against Loveland it would have been tough you could look back at our episode we didn't say Palmer Ridge were the favorites to beat Loveland I'm pretty sure we didn't say that Cody correct me if I'm wrong though but I'm pretty sure we didn't say that and so for what Palmer Ridge has been able to do in the last couple years it's definitely you know it's a big deal right First off, winning three straight titles. So let's not act like Luke doesn't have a ring because, in fact, he has three. <laughs> so let's let's not act like he doesn't have a ring because he already has three. A fourth one would have just been the cherry on top. Let's be honest there. So there you go. But for Palmer Ridge to come in 
uh, to foray and try to win it all. That would have been the equivalent of Loveland winning three in a row in foray and then trying to go up and then beating Cherry Creek their first year. It's not going to ha- like, look, let's be honest. It's not going to happen. You know, um, you don't really see that happen anywhere. Um, you don't see that happen anywhere. Like I said, I'm a Texas guy. I, I swear I've literally never, ever seen that happen on the Texas level at all. And there are plenty of teams that have great underdog stories, but you don't see that happen. And so that's just a tough thing that happened um, altogether. But let's let's talk about the game. So. In general, uh, it was a tough game for the entire Palmer Ridge team. It wasn't all on Luke McAllister. He's not the reason, in my opinion, why why Palmer Ridge fell behind in the first place, at least in my opinion, because at halftime, it was already 21-0. to zero. Um, And one of those was because, you know, there was no running game. And whenever there was a big run, and they do have a running back there, he's solid, you know, but he's an underclassman. He's a sophomore. Uh, but he had a really, really bad fumble. In my opinion, just from what I've seen, he shouldn't have fumbled the ball at all. But he fumbled it um, just because he, I don't know if it was nerves or whatever, but that happened. And so that was a bad turnover. And pretty much after every single turnover, Loveland scored, right? And so that happened. And then Luke, I mean, <laughs> I don't think Loveland exactly like confused him because that very first pick, or I think it was the first pick in that first half, he threw it. I saw the opening. It was a curl route, but you could see the safety overhead. You could see the corner in the flat coming up. And, uh, you know, we talked about this. Luke doesn't exactly have the fastest release. And so the corner was just able to pick it just slightly. They were able to score on that, and then they were able to get another score. And so, look, all day, it was it was rough, right? It's hard to come back from 21 to 0, especially when you know you're the underdogs, right? And so it was it was a tough game for sure. Um, and then another pick he threw, it was I, I wouldn't say it was exactly his fault. He made the right read. I saw where he was looking at. He was looking at a deep crossing route that would have gashed Loveland for 20 plus yards, but they were lucky and um, and got loose off the edge and he was able to hit Luke just a little bit and the ball you know it didn't come out correctly and they were able to pick it off and then from there it was just in my opinion it was just Luke McAllister trying to do too much I don't think he was exactly confused by the defense I think it was just a matter of look it was just a matter of you know the momentum of the game already going that way right um if you're up 21 to 0 you shouldn't blow the game anyways you know that shouldn't happen at all so the fact they're already up 21 to 0 that momentum was going that way and then you know luke being the competitor he is he's not going to exactly like you know he's not going to just sit back and let it happen and um be i mean i guess play as conservatively as he could he's gonna try to force the issue and that was definitely something that we talked about about him trying to force the issue throw into windows that aren't there where he feels a little overconfident and so that's what he did through five picks and you know it happens it was one bad game so there you go but cody i gotta ask you does this bad game change luke's rankings or change the quarterback rankings in your opinion no it doesn't and and there's a few reasons for that because all of luke's strengths are still the same strengths and you know, th- there were only two quarterbacks who made it to the state championship game. And um, I honestly think that Loveland is, you know, uh, arguably one of the best programs of the past decade. 
Sure. Um, and I think they'll continue to be a phenomenal program heading into this next decade. Um, so I, I think that, you know, based off of level of competition and, you know, everything that Luke is still able to achieve on the film level shows that he's still the best quarterback in the state. And I also think that his reaction to how the game went um, also what was it was a dimension that, you know, we hadn't gotten to see because we hadn't seen Palmer Ridge lose. Um, he True. took the loss very well and he was on to the next chapter of his life. He, he said, uh, you know, he had a tweet where he's like, you know, that's not how I wanted it to end. But, you know, kind of it is what it is and go Rams. So I think that that was super mature of an 18 year old to handle it that way, because, you know, and I'm pretty sure it took some time to, to draft that up. But, you know, I, Luke's not concerned about it, so I'm not concerned about it. Uh, to me, he's, he's still Luke McAllister. And uh, I think he'll be just fine. So true. Yeah. Um, he's still our QB one. You know, I'll just be honest. He's still our QB one. I still don't think there's a defense that really could have shaken him like this. I'm just going to throw this out there just as a closing uh, thing here. But the last time Luke lost, or I'm pretty sure the last time, you know, he took a loss that was very important was against Pine Creek. And so that was the game where, uh, you know, Palmer Ridge, think they're below pine creek because pine creek's 4a aren't they cody yes yeah and so palmer ridge was 3a pine creek was 4a but you know people wanted to see them play because in colorado springs those are the two powerhouses so whoever beat you know each other or whatever happened would be the you know they, they'd run the springs basically right and so that was a big deal and so in i want to say in that first game Palmer Ridge lost to Pine Creek and Pine Creek won. And I think it's important to keep in mind what Luke McAllister did to Pine Creek this playoffs when not only did he move up to 4A, but he moved up to 4A and then he embarrassed Pine Creek. And so Luke McAllister is not the type of guy to regress after a loss. I think he'll get better. And I think this was an important loss to have on his career. I not gonna lie, I think I would have felt a little bit more nervous about his career moving forward if he four-peated but he had a stat line of like 300 yards and two touchdowns two picks because to me that still shows that there's some cleaning up to do and it wasn't exactly the cleanest game and he might have just edged um you know edged loveland but that didn't happen he got blown out these are character building moments you know tough games make tough players i i tweeted that uh told him you know he he seems to accept it i think he'll be good moving forward still look out for this kiddo so there you go but let's go ahead and talk about talk about our 5a state title game here cody do you want to introduce that real quick yeah so uh if you're familiar with the uh, colorado football scene you know these names cherry creek high school valor christian you're probably bored of it you're probably tired of it but that's just the way it is here in colorado um (sighs) but anyways um you know this wasn't uh much of a game and I think based off of the number of players that we've talked about from Cherry Creek's program, uh, I'd say that this wasn't completely unexpected. Cherry Creek ran away with this game 21 to zero, I think was the final score. Yep. Yep. 21 to zero. And um, the Valor Christian offense just couldn't get anything going. And I think that might've had something to do with uh, the number one defensive lineman in the state of uh, Colorado and the number two running back. Well, Granted, uh, the, and and I think that there, this is also proof that um, there's there's more to come from this Cherry Creek team. 
um, because they had some other running backs score. Uh, Miles Purchase had two rushing touchdowns this game, I think. And uh, their defense was all over Valor Christian. Uh, the Valor quarterback completed four passes on 14 attempts, um, <laughs> which is just uh, what, what are you supposed to do in, in that situation? And I think that there's there's more players that we'll end up talking about uh, from from the Cherry Creek offense in the future. But yeah, I, I think Cherry Creek had like three sacks this game and, and the running and the quarterback was running for his life whenever he had to pass. And and there was no semblance of a running game. They had they had uh, their quarterback had negative 12 yards. So I think they're counting. Um, they, they might be counting sacks in that total yardage. And then the uh, I'd also say that their leading rusher is a bit skewed because of a 57 yard run um, that they didn't even end up scoring on. So uh, not much of a game. And I think that's more of a testament to how loaded this Cherry Creek team is. And um you know, fortunately, a lot of these guys are seniors on the Cherry Creek team, but I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon because they haven't gone anywhere since I played high school football. So, <laughs> Simon, nice. what, what are your thoughts on this game? Uh, what does it mean for Cherry Creek being back-to-back 5A state champs? What does it mean for them going forward? And what does it mean for some of the recruits that we've talked about and some of the ones coming up? Yeah, so, Kelly, I don't know if you've listened to the edited version of that episode, but I didn't edit out when I said Cherry Creek's going to win this game before the game happened. Kept it in there because, you know, by the time I was editing, I saw they already won 21-0, so I figured might as well leave that in there. This wasn't a surprise. Cherry Creek stacked. Not going to lie, we could... Oh, my gosh. There's already three Cherry Creek players that has made our playmakers... um of Colorado class of 21 list and so out of like how many lists have we done four wait right four including this one I guess you could make this one yeah I guess you could throw in four if you want to include Gus because he was an honorable mention so four for four there you go and that's not even the end of it they got a couple more players just to throw this out there they got chase penry he's a receiver he's a big time guy for sure so he made his you know he made his mark on here um kind of very key 38 yard pass from julian hammond on third and 15 what i was gonna say five players because we did say that if julian hammond was a football commit he would be on our top five quarterbacks list that's true. Julian Hammond, too. So there you go. Um, also, by the way, look out for that breakdown of Julian Hammond coming sometime soon. And then uh, they got Al Ashford. He's another guy. And then I'm pretty sure they have a safety. <sighs> pretty sure they have a safety thrown in the mix there. So this Jerry Creek team is extremely, extremely stacked. You know, offensively, I think they are pretty strong in general. They just have a million weapons everywhere. Uh, and then defensively, you know, it's really hard to stop Arden Walker, though, and Malik, who, by the way, got a sack fumble, um, which was big time. And so that was tough. But, you know, I don't think there was a big surprise here. Valor Christian, you know, they had a first year head coach and I didn't really think the quarterback was going to be able to overcome the pass rush that was Arden Walker and Malik. And so that happened. And, you know, they're and they're running back uh, Sawchuck, Gavin Sawchuck. He is a five star running back. He's a junior. He's considered one of the best in the nation. But, you know, he didn't score at all. He did have that 54 yard run. But (laughs) that that. Yeah, 
that that was it. Malik basically took care of that when he sacked uh, Sean McNair, Valor's uh, quarterback, and forced the fumble and killed that drive real quick. And so, um, you know, with that being said, Valor Christian will probably be back. Cherry Creek will probably be back. There's not enough surprises here. Uh, Really, honestly, this uh, state title, or I I guess these back-to-back titles here, uh, are a testament to how talented this team are. They're extremely stacked here, and you will see players on here. And um, you will see some interviews from these guys here. I think we we got an interview with uh, James Walker II coming up. So so there you go. And then be on the lookout for potentially an Arden Walker and some other guys making some interviews with us as well. We'd love to have them. We'd love to have all the Cherry Creek players come on here, in fact. So there you go. But really don't have a lot to say here. This was expected. I think I would have been more surprised if <laughs> if Valor Christian made this kind of a closer game, but you know, it is what it is. They got their title. It's a happy ending. Yeah, not much to say here. Not much to say here. But Cody, do you have any, I guess, last statements or thoughts on any of these state title games or any of these players that we've talked about today? Um, just a huge shout out to Jordan Wolverton for. Um for winning uh that state title game but other than that um you know these state title games they uh it's been a minute since we've been surprised by one here in colorado and uh i i hopefully on this uh you know hopefully we get to see some new faces in the state title games next year um no disrespect to you know these programs that have done such a great job at getting there but uh no I'm one of those guys who wasn't very huge on the uh, Golden State-Cleveland finals over and over and over again, and uh, that's what Colorado high school football feels like sometimes. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my only thoughts on it. But, uh, you know, um, I will say, you know, as we wrap up here to make sure to find us, uh, Playmakers Corner, we are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Um, You know who you are if you've been participating on our TikTok. Let's let's try and be civil, okay? Um, no no need to no need to be rude. Um, but you know we're on Twitter at Playmaker Corner. We're on Instagram Playmakers Corner, one word. Same thing with our um, TikTok, and you know keep keep looking for more TikToks, more Instagram posts, and you know a lot of you are finally taking advantage of it. Um, it's been you know we've been talking about this. You know reach out to us on our DMs, and we are so glad that a lot of you are now and um. You know, I, I will say, uh, while we may be a little overwhelmed right now, we're going to get to it. Um, just just hang in there with us. We're going to get through these um, uh, these position-by-position breakdowns probably by the end. Let's see. How many more positions do we got? We got um, tight we got ends, receivers. Tight ends, receivers, corners, um, linebackers, corners, oh. safeties. Um, well, we'll see. Five, uh, four to five, <laughs> four to five. So you know, we probably got to like I'll say the end of January on these, and then um, you know, we'll start trying to get those breakdowns done. Um, the seniors were prioritizing them first, and uh, but anybody else, feel free to send in your film. We have a ongoing list uh, on a Google Doc, so we'll continue to add on to it, and uh, we're happy to do it. So um, very you know, true. And, and make sure to. Uh, share share us you know we're available on anchor spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and almost anywhere else you can find a podcast make sure to share us with your friends family coaches and uh yeah keep up the good work i am cody stoffer wait cody before wait, i no, ended this before. 
I, <laughs> I'm really sorry, but I got I I really forgot. I didn't mean to, but I was really happy when this happened. Shout out to Eden High School and some of my boys specifically, uh, Dirk Duncan, Rogan Barr, the Grable brothers, Coach Dean Grable, all them boys. They won their first state title against Labar, 28 to 21. That was big time. The community of Eden sorely needed that and it was awesome seeing some of my former students out there rogan and dirk both got picks uh rogan specifically got a pick six um also shout out to tanner true big old lineman from eden as well he got to score a little touchdown there as well and so shout out to my boys over there proud of y'all i already congratulated y'all but i had to give y'all a shout out over the podcast you already know what it is so there you go true true also that reminds me um Congratulations to uh, Q Jones, our number one running back. If you haven't listened to that episode, go ahead and listen to that now. And his commitment to Dartmouth. Yeah, that's big time. Um, huge. I, we won't react to that right now because we actually do have an interview set up with Q Jones coming up here soon. So be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for a lot of interviews. And, you know, if you haven't said this already, Cody, if you're on our list, reach out to us we'll get you in for an interview we love all of y'all for an interview we just don't reach out to every single person so there you go but sorry about that uh i'm your other co-host simon villanos and this is the conclusion of the episode have a good one Damn.